Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. I don't think I ever saw my email. You didn't, because it came to the Creative Writing email. That's right, everybody. This is the Creative Writing a Motorcycle Podcast. I almost forgot what podcast it was. Uh, this is episode number... 148. Yes, sir, Reno. 148. The Danny Eslick plus Danny Pedrosa plus uh, Danny Petrucci plus Danny from uh, Karate Kid minus two. Uh, Kenny, uh, not Kenny Coolbeth. Yeah, Kenny Coolbeth. Number two. Yeah, sounds good. That equals 148. Yeah. Uh, pi R squared, actually, uh, plus the circumference of a dime. Yes, that equals 148. And this is the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. We got a lot of good stuff coming up for you this week. It might be a shorty, but that's okay. So am I. We'll see. We say that every time. That's right. And then it turns to be 18 hours long. All right. See you in a minute. Oh my god, this is such the old intro Has me doing a wheelie on the KZ Uh, Yeah, dude, that looks sick I I was looking at your your things I thought it looked a little funny with that uh, flat track tail on there But that's okay I did, but I like funny with the flat track tail They were already kind of the model for the flat track tail And it's uh, cheaper and freer to get a flat track tail (laughs) So it you, I, I debated not doing it, but I knew that that bike looked good with a flat track yeah. tail. And it does look I sick. don't run a flat track tail on my flat tracker, so why not run a flat track tail on my tree road course tracker? Yeah, on your road tracker. You got you to gotta run a flat track tail on something. Hey, everybody, this is episode 148 of the um, Creative Monkey Motor Mackle Pugcast. What is it? it creative seems writing. like a couple weeks ago we were doing 100. It just seems like just 48 episodes ago we were doing 100, and that was at Lucky Wheels Garage, actually, that we did episode 100. Or, yeah, episode 99 was at Twisted Throttles, and episode 100 was at Lucky Gar- Lucky Wheels. I thought we did that one in my house, because we called Liza. Episode 100? Yeah. No. I think Liza called in for You know what? One. Maybe episode 110 was Lucky Wheels, because it was after uh, the... Uh, the motorcycle round table. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Go back and look at our feed. You do the work for us. <laughs> Just go back and listen to all the episodes. Go back and listen from episode um, 88 onwards or 84 because that's when, when Chris came on. But if you really want to do yourself, uh, if you want to torture yourself this Halloween, go back and listen to the uh, ones prior to episode 15. I think in ra- right around episode 11 with Chris Singsheim, it got really good and from then on. But man, go yeah. listen before Luckily that. Luckily you made it past episode 7. Luckily I made it past episode seven and if i if i were a true gentleman i would erase those from the the uh, archives and I nobody you erased like to. one and two or something and three they're, no, they're yeah. awful <laughs> i don't i wanted people to listen to the show <laughs> you can still get it if you know where to look but uh i just uh yeah you know i decided to probably take those off of the uh 
the public and uh, save people the, the horror of... We should hey. send them to our Patreon subscribers to see if they're true fans. <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, dude, I rescind my membership right now. Uh, I don't know. I've I've been like looking, watching like old like Tool's first concert and Raising Edge Machine's first concert, like stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of neat to see that you could still see that they were kind of good though. Yeah. I know. I went back and looked at some old clutch videos cause I was like, Oh, their new stuff. They all have like beards and you could tell they're a little older and stuff. And I was like, they were like, all oh, like they never had beards and stuff. And then I go back and look and yeah, it was like not cool to have facial hair back in the day. Uh, only <laughs> playground predators yeah, right. and, and old, uh, truck drivers had that stuff. But, um, Hey, I want to talk about, uh, speaking of you heard, you heard Wiggins talking about a flat track tail. Well, what did he put a flat track tail on? I want to, know that and then coming up after that we might have a little call and um so yeah what did you put a flat track what were you why weren't you here last week <laughs> i was trying to get a motorcycle ready for a track day so i got a buell xp9 that was supposed to be almost done and by almost done it only took about 30 hours worth of work <laughs> for two people <laughs> <laughs> to get it running. That's actually pretty good though, you know. It wasn't too bad. So the bike at one time had like a dented frame but a clean title and we needed a straight frame, so he bought it. I traded like a sportster to a friend of mine, actually Juan who has been on episode ninety four. I just pulled that number out of my rear. I don't know what episode it was, but I think it was before one hundred. What's his name? Juan Acero. Oh, yeah, it might have been before episode 100 when you guys went to the track. Yeah. So anyway, we traded a Sportster that I had bought in a couple years ago um, so he could actually have a Sportster tracker. He actually flat tracks a Buell XB9. And uh, I was like, dude, let, let's just trade for the Buell, for a Buell because he has a few. Because the way Buells are right now, um, you should probably, like if you own one or – something you should probably buy everyone you see that's cheap that's what one does and it's smart because there's parts although buell like to change things every single year too because he can't leave well enough alone i guess well the first few you know and that's true and the first few buells were some of them were kind of ugly but some of them were pretty rad and they had a they didn't even have the fuel in the frame yet and the one that you have yeah. has the fuel in the mine frame. is the last year xb12 it's yeah. 2009 okay um, yeah. when they went to the xbs i don't know what year that was oh three oh four something like uh, that oh three they still had a tube frame one but they might have actually that might have been the year they crossed over yeah and then what i call the xb is the lightning and the firebolt mm-hmm. i believe they were both xb Mm-hmm. 1200R, 900R, and they actually only did a 900 at first and a 1200 later. And the 1200 only makes like three or five horse more than a 900, but it makes a pretty decent amount more torque. Yeah, and they had but, all sorts of... We've talked about it before on the show where they had the Lightning uh, L and the Lightning S, and one yeah, had a longer so wheelbase, one had a shorter wheelbase. It was the, like a bunch of weird little tweak stuff. Like yeah, you're mine's like the regular one, yeah. <laughs> which is considered the long one, and then they made a short CG that was lower and shorter. And that's part of my thing, too. It's like, no wonder they shut down Buell. He made 15 models of one fucking motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to tell by looking at them. Yeah, unless you see the two next to one another, you can't tell. Yeah. And, you know, there's also like, that motor doesn't fit in anything else. It's similar to an XR1200, but I think it's still different than that. Um, you know, and some stuff I get it. Some stuff makes sense that it wasn't the same, but some stuff like the primary cover 
a sporty one won't fit. And there is a bung cast into the, the Buell one um, for the shifter, but the bolt holes for the pattern around the whole thing, like change spacing. Yeah. And it's like, so if I crash and tear mine up, if I could put a sporty one on it, I could weld the fucking bung, but I can't move those bolt holes. Yeah. I was going to say they did have like, for whatever reason he chose to make everything just a little bit different. I think yeah. to make it Buell or maybe, I don't know if he was allowed even, even working with Harley Davidson motors. He wasn't Harley Davidson. Actually they owned Buell. I mean, right. I mean, that's now, at the time of mine, he was like Harley owned. That's how they were able to shut him totally down. They owned 51%. That's right. So, and then that's but, also why he had to change the name to EBR. Yeah. But he wasn't, um, but yeah, that's what I was getting at is he wasn't, he definitely wasn't making Harleys. Like he was a yeah. He no, was a it was a separate name. Owned. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when they owned MV Agusta. You yeah, know? kind and of. They, yeah. yeah, and um, and it's a so, shame. Like working on the bike, he, there's a lot of shit on it that, as from a mechanic standpoint, is really good. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole fuel and frame was to get the weight from up above to, to yeah. lower it down already. Yeah. I don't know why he had to make a whole center of gravity bike because he already had a pretty I think good... that was more for like short people. Yeah. yeah. And and the fuel in the frame, I'm not going to say is good from a mechanic standpoint, although it kind of is because if you take the tank cover off, like if you need to work on the motor even... And I'm going to compare this to a, a Japanese sport bike because that's what it's kind of comparable to don't all you fucking sport bike riders don't be fighting me on now nah, that's just it's totally whatever <laughs> it's still more comparable so you got to pull the air box and the tank cover off to get to the motor and work on anything there's no wire uh, it's like a few bolts and it comes right off it's pretty simple but on a sport bike all your fuel lines and stuff are connected so you're like propping the tank up trying to get on there stretching the fuel lines out it's kind of a pain in the ass but I don't know. There was just a lot of stuff where I was like, damn, that's kind of cool. Yeah. There's actually more standard bolts on it than there are on a Harley. Like the front fork pinch bolts, and I'm pretty sure the fork said show us still, were, um, were standard. Um, the stuff in the for the rear swing arm was standard. Like the brake bolts were standard. Even uh, And it went into a Nissan brake on the rear, and so I'm, the front's probably a Nissan too, even though it's special for that bike. You know, all that stuff. I was just like, wow, on a Harley, all these bolts are metric. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. The, um, you know, and I think they should all, all be metric, but that's, it, it is a little easier than having to remember. Yeah. Eights and halves. Yeah. Quarters. I think I found Sorry, people that love metric stuff or that loves SAE stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I found a couple metric bolts, but not many. Yeah. Like really it was few. Um, yeah, the other thing, how did that thing still has a ZTL brake on it, right? Yes. So, how did that thing feel? Because a lot of, I, from what I heard on another podcast, that has people that like frequently race those things. I don't know if it was because it took up so much. The ZTL, by the way, stands for zero torsional load. It was a it was a rim mounted yeah, brake instead mount of down at, the, and so it took. It really did take. Uh, all the weight off the hub there. Well, it wasn't the weight of the hub, but on a front wheel, like you basically on a rear wheel, you're you're twisting from the hub, and so the wheel has to be really strong in the spokes, mm-hmm. but not to hold the rider up, but because you have that twisting load, right? Yeah. Well, the front he was able to eliminate it, and you probably could on the right. rear, but it'd be Twist, harder twisting the other way because you're putting load on it to well, stop it. Now, well, your tires on the outside and your brake was on the inside, so your spokes have that 
twisting force. Yeah. Well, by mounting the brake on the outside, you can make the spokes of the wheel a lot lighter. And that front wheel's super light, even with a rotor on it. Yeah. And it's not, I thought he did it for better braking, and it's not. It's to make the wheel lighter. Yeah. So, but the rotors were known to warp. Yeah. Um, and so what I noticed, everything felt good. We measured it. I measured it with a micrometer in like 10 spots. It was all within a thousandth. When I went out and rode it in the parking lot, it felt fine. When I went to the track on Sunday, I felt a spot <laughs> in it because now all of a sudden I'm slowing down from 120. Yeah. Even though I'm not slowing down to zero, you're still like that, that speeds there and you're on the front brakes pretty hard. I mean, the front brake worked great. Yeah. And mine being an 09 parts of an mostly an 09 um that's what happens when you have wrecked bikes you're putting together but being mostly an 09 it had the newer front caliper so mine's an eight piston um with four pads yeah wasn't it only on the z that brake is only on one side of the wheel too yeah it's a single-sided brake yeah because you've got the you've basically got as much surface area as and as two. much leverage yeah. because the rotor is so much bigger it's like putting a bigger rotor it multiplies, you know, your, your leverage. So, right. um, by running one big one, but then he ran a really big caliper. And then I noticed towards the end of the day too, I think the warping got worse. Yeah. So that's what I've heard. I've heard, I don't know. I don't know what the physics behind it are and I don't know what the actual science behind it is either, but a lot of people supposedly scrapped that ZTL wheel for a standard, uh, because, that happens you warp it and you don't have you have one point of failure and it fails and you're done whereas like with even with two brakes if one you know you, you for some reason you just the actual force of braking like the braking um forces that are exerted onto the calipers are divided among both sides now and they're divided among two so you still get the same amount of stopping but it's not all onto one deal you know what i mean it's that just, didn't really bother me i i think and this is a thought, and I'm not 100% sure because I haven't bought the other options. I think it was probably just a poorly made rotor. Yeah, that um, could have been too. I don't know who made it. You know, it's I don't think it's a Brembo or anything, but I can buy a EBC rotor for 185 bucks. I can buy a braking wavy rotor for like 260 and I can buy what I think I want to try is a EBR rotor off the new EBR 1125s right because there's no holes in it mm. it's just gas slots mm -hmm. so oh, right. okay. supposedly the holes in a rotor don't actually cool it they are to save weight so i'll sacrifice a little bit of weight so what i'm hoping <laughs> this is fingers crossed i'm hoping that he knew that was a problem and he fixed it with the newer bikes. Yeah. So that way, if I put one of those rotors on, it'll fix the issue on the yeah. old bike. But yeah, cross drilled rotors, I mean, they do vent it, but you got to figure where a slot like swipes the heat out every time it passes. Well, it's not a center slot. Oh, okay. It's not like a car rotor where it's the vented double. Yeah. Okay. But it's still it, it's still a yeah. slot that yeah because yeah on those holes it's like a bunch of little tiny slots taking exponentially less um, heat and, and uh, you know air away from it or whatever yeah the but you know what though too that those those brake rotors I doubt that those are the ones he raced with and it could it be that uh, 
they're made for street riding. And he, when he went racing, he upgraded, you know what I'm saying? Like it very could, well could, it could be, yeah. um, I don't even know who to really contact about it or find out much about it. So I can get on a forum and read a little bit, but I said it felt fine. And I have another rotor that we measured and felt good too. So I might throw that on first. Um, but I do know one, like we almost, I almost bought a rotor cause he was like, two of my four are bad and I haven't checked the other two. <laughs> so yeah. it's a common problem with them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was stuff like, and I wish you would have done this a little different, but like the fuel injection is Simmons uh, injectors and all the plugs and stuff say forward right on them. So it's like <laughs> the super smart. However, the injector itself, the one for the front cylinder, it's on the right side of the uh, intake because the intake actually comes down from the top. Mm-hmm. So the injector, the front one, actually the the tip the very very tip squirts to the right and on the back the very tip squirts left but the injectors go down straight and then they squirt at an angle and they squirt at an angle to squirt the fuel into the cylinder but i took it to an auto parts store because um so when i first got it fired up it was only running on the rear cylinder so i'm like i'm just gonna go see if they have one the part number came back and they're like yeah it's out of a v6 mustang and i'm like sick let me see it's like an inch longer so the reason is the one for the, and I, if it was the same size, I'd have put it in. And actually, I don't think we noticed that it was different until we went back and we're like, why are these different? And we were looking at them. But, um, and we pulled out a set out of another bike and we were able to look right and left or front and rear. Um, I would put a car one in it, but they're longer. And that, to me, what he could have done was put them in the fucking intake at an angle. Mm, yeah. But I still say, like, Harley's trying to build a Street Fighter. There's not a better man you could hire to make that Street Fighter a good bike. I, to me, he was kind of like the, uh, I've heard John Britton of Amer- American. But was John Britton a nice guy? Uh, from what I know. Because I've heard Beale's a dick to work for. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And again, from, and I'm not saying the fuel and the gas, the fuel in the frame is a bad idea, but if you crash your bike and dent your fucking fuel tank, mm-hmm. you've totaled your motorcycle. You certainly have. The and oil in the swing arm's great. How they yeah. did it's great. Um, you know, and the fuel in the frame's a good idea. Just the frame shape could be a little bit better or a little more dent resistant, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it was like, a, it was like, a, um, I don't remember if it was hydroformed, but it was like aluminum. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. you slide on that thing and you're done. Mine and has like these plastic pucks, but I'm like, how long are they going to last? Or is the impact just going to dent the frame behind the puck? Yeah. I don't know. Because dents in that were weird too, working. Well, and that's a common. Yeah. I mean, when I you, see frames all over. Yeah. You know, like looking for parts, there's frames with dents in them. So. And, you, and, and it really did. It voided the. Um, it they, totaled the bike. They said in their. In their you know, repair stuff that, yeah, you do that and like by warranty, you have to replace it. You can't take a chance. You can't repair it because it's aluminum and it could fail again or whatever. You never know how the, then the wall got ground down if it fell or anything. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just, you can't. And so replacing the frame. And I, I will say the guy's a genius, but I think he's a mad genius. Yeah. And he'd probably, yeah. I, I think too, as you make a motorcycle, you think, well, if it gets scrapped, like it gets scrapped, or if it gets dumped or crashed, it gets crashed, and you're gonna have to get a new one. Well, and most likely anyway. You know, I was talking to someone at the track this weekend, and they uh, dropped their Ducati in the parking lot and scratched up like some of the plastics, and insurance came out and totaled it. Jeez. 
So honestly, is dinning your frame and totaling your bike a big deal? And that's if you're buying a new bike, I would say no. For someone like me buying a 10-year-old Buell, um, yeah. Because if I have a scratched up Ducati that's 10 years old, I'm not going to give a fuck. Yeah. It's still very rideable. But at the same time, I get it. And it's a great idea. And I think there's ways to do it. I mean, look at the Goldwing gas tanks under the seat. You know, there's a lot of bikes that are that way. Um, I'm not going to say he's the first, but, you know, and the rim brake's a good idea. I think it needs some refinement. And I, I also say that there's a reason Japanese companies haven't done it because there was a time, even though I think Honda has been pretty lame lately, <laughs> there was a time when Honda would do super innovative shit Yeah, and they probably tried a rim brake. Yeah. But I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that they tried from, I mean, they've been around for so long and winning races was their goal yeah and i'm sure they tried well, i mean like there was a time everything. with honda that wasn't their goal they just they did it yeah like it <laughs> at, at all it might have been a goal but they got it yeah. yeah yeah and and when you when you said the bike didn't run so good what was my first question i don't remember did you get bit by the buell fuel or was it the suspension oh yeah had, buell had, fuel yeah um yeah so it's a common thing that the injectors just don't I mean, the Buell fuel delivery, uh, I don't know how many people I've heard say, even on the carbureted ones, like there was just weird problems here and there throughout the delivery of it that huh. could come back and, and either quit working altogether or like clog up weird, what weird I, spots. Yeah, what I think happened was the two, so we had two fuel pumps. The one that we put in first that was with the bike, um, we don't think it was getting enough pressure. Hindsight, after finding the front fuel injector not working, it could have just been that. But we still think it wasn't gaining enough pressure. Um, and it didn't sound that stout when you plug it into a battery where the one we replaced it with, you know, sounded like it was working harder. Yeah. In a good way. And if you're out there on the track, you definitely want fuel pressure. You don't want to rely on oh, yeah. vacuum or when it's injected, you can't. You yeah. <laughs> um, so we put a second fuel pump in it out of another bike so i have one i can rebuild i want to i'm gonna look um if any listeners know too, ask wigs at gmail you can fill me in um i think i want to do a high pressure pump um i was talking to eric from jiffy tune and he said don't worry about it uh put a power commander five on it and he'll put it on he's like dude i'll put it on the dyno for you and he's like we can just open the injector up longer to squirt more fuel oh there you go but i'm thinking one, if this is a common problem, why not? Why not just put a high pressure? If I'm going to rebuild a pump, does it cost that much more? Like it's going to cost me fifty bucks to rebuild a pump. I think anyway. Yeah, do it all. Just do it all. Yeah. You know? Like, and then um, two injectors are going to cost me about forty bucks a piece. Luckily, I can still get them. Luckily, um, those of you who follow my Instagram maybe read this. Glendale, out of all the Harley dealerships, the one that supports my racing was super helpful about yeah. getting Buell parts. And they had no idea, like the guy at the parts counter had no idea who I was. Yeah. Like he didn't know that I know his boss. <laughs> right. You know, like, so it, I was just like, I was impressed by that. They were like, let's see what I can do. Now it is like, they're like, Hey, who we have to order it from is going to cost 20 bucks to ship it or whatever. But 
whatever. Dude, they are cool, and they they are one of the very few dealership Harley dealerships, at least that you go there, and they'll have the some of the Cretans guys race the um, yeah. Buells, and they even race some of the guys even have like XR twelve hundreds, like stuff that Harley doesn't make anymore, and Harley Harley quote Harley guys don't like, but they're they are true Harley guys where they're <laughs> yeah. like, dude, it, it has a Harley and motor it, in it. it we it, love it. To me, it's a beautiful bike in the fact that. One, look what the guy started with. Like, mm. did he, he, not only did he start with a Sportster, he made it pretty damn powerful. Yeah. Still a pretty reliable motor. Like, it's pretty fucking rad. It does look pretty cool. Even the bike's stock look cool. I'm not a fan of the fairing on the fairing one. I believe mine's the Lightning, so it'd be the Firebolt. Um, I did like the tail better on that one. It was nice and small. And this is in early 2000s. He was putting a small tail on it. Like yeah. sport bikes had huge fat tails on them that were gross then. Yeah. They had little tails with these rad little right, right where the signal lamps and stuff came on. There was like this little mesh thing. I don't know what he did all this stuff for, but it looked cool. I think cool. that was like the fender. Like, it like was. you know how the Ducati monster, the fender came back more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like the little mesh I thing I mean, it was there. like an extension, yeah. but like a lot of people's extensions are solid plastic and they look like yeah crappy no it was definitely guard. a little better it was cool and i still you know when you've got epa and stuff to make happy yeah I'm sure you know there's a lot of stuff like the, the um, uh ftr 1200 is a perfect example of <laughs> some of the cooler things that he did too <clears throat> pardon me was a lot of the the xb9s and then later some of the other xb12s came with these color matched windscreens that had a see-through airbox cover cool and gross at the same time <laughs> well you could see the butterflies opening and stuff if you took the no with the airbox on it you could see um there was a little thing on there to open the power valve of the exhaust oh you could is see that, that. What that was yeah because the airbox like, covered the butterfly yeah, well that's what i was gonna say there's you obviously had to take the cover off but i'd seen some guys that had taken it off i don't they were just running an open thing yeah you could too because it's like on top of the motor not much is gonna but it yeah yeah, i mine was red originally most you know i've explained how the parts kind of came together but the red wheels the rear had a big dent and the dent didn't bother me the crack did oh well yeah so uh he's like hey i got a set of gunmetal wheels that do have a small dent but felt totally fine um and that i liked better anyway he had one with the gold but what i didn't like was the gold wasn't like an anodized gold it was like a cleary color yeah gold so that was lame they had yellow it's like a yellowy gold yeah they yeah. had yellow bikes that that came on yeah because yeah everyone i mean the, that's the other cool thing about buells is that you right now kawasaki's you might get like one that has like a red stripe on the wheel and it's maybe red and then the other ones all come with black wheels or the one that's green yeah. and black yeah. comes with the green stripe and all the other ones but he like color matched every yeah. set to yeah and it wasn't just graphics under they were clear coat. they were ugly colors but yeah yeah, well, and they for the were for ugly those, colors, for but those, they were a while for ago. that time. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say for that time period, they actually. And I remember when cool. I first saw it, I thought it was super cool, and it was super innovative. Like it's a plastic tank cover, so he made it match. He so he made it um, translucent, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, and that was like something a lot of people don't do. A lot of people do clear yeah. or smoked or just black, and that's it. Yeah, and then it also had the windscreen would match. Um, right. Luckily, Juan also had a black tank cover, so that went on. Nice. Because um, the bike was turning a lot of black, so and the swing arm is actually a slightly different color. So the swing arm on it, we think, might have been bent because okay. we know the rear axle was bent. Oh, 
but um, it like he's like I can't get it out, and I put a real big ratchet on it, and I got it out, and it would like get easy and get hard, and get easy and get hard. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, sounds I like think a bend. the axle's bent, <laughs> but even the rear axle, man, the machining that went into the rear axle to save weight. Yeah, I was just like, damn. But he shrunk it down real small in the middle, and I think that made him bend easy. Yeah, but it, you look at a lot of those parts on there, and it is an exquisite looking bike that has a lot of one off. Things yeah. that didn't swap over to any Harley, you know, and what I'm you saying? can't. Um, it's a belt drive, and you. I've seen people do a chain conversion, but there's only certain ratios you can do because the wheel is not adjustable. Mm-hmm. So then the thing is, too, oh, yeah, as your right. chain That's and right. sprockets wear, you can't adjust the chain. I think it had a belt, a t- torsioner pulley. It's got it. It's got a pulley, but it's not. The, there's no spring on it. No, no, it it's just a, bolted well, right to the. Yeah, what it is is because the swing arm's at an angle as your swing arm drops or your bike stands up right your chain gets loose like whenever i set my chain i sit on the back like especially mm-hmm. my sporty i hang over the bike and i kind of pull in on the swing arm to try to compress the suspension because your chain gets tighter as your suspension compresses mm-hmm. so as the suspension uncompresses it would get loose so he put a since it's a taller bike than a sporty there's like a pulley up there so as it drops below it kind of helps keep the belt tension even. Mm-hmm. But honestly... And you can't run a chain on that because like, who, you would have to get a sprocket. You would have to just get a rubber one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but <laughs> but you know when you first put a chain on, it like chains stretch and sprockets yeah, yeah, wear. That's, and and this you thing, couldn't adjust any of this that. This thing doesn't is not on the spring yeah, like a derailleur. No, yeah. yeah, and there's no wheel adjustment. But it's yeah. also really nice because of that. Like mm-hmm. Honestly, like Juan races on it, so it's a pain in the ass for him. Well, you know... But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know the you belt, belts. Can't change gearing. Yeah. Oh, that's true. The belts actually don't require maintenance like a chain does. Oh so no. Theoretically, yeah. Next subject is belts are fucking great. Mm-hmm. I will fight you on that. Yeah. <laughs> don't fight like, me. I love belts. Like belts are, they're silent. They're clean. You don't have to adjust them, and they last way, way longer than a chain. And when you do replace them, yes, they're expensive, but you don't have to change the sprockets. Yeah. And honestly, a Buell, you can change. Without taking a wheel off, without doing anything, you take out four standard bolts out of the swing arm and three out of this little plastic cover that you really don't have to run anyway, and you can change a belt. Yeah. But my Dyna, I had 60,000 miles on a belt, and that was like canyon track, wheelies, like it got abuse. Yeah, and they just, they really, they don't stretch. You, I mean, yeah. they take a lot to they really do. stretch those because they're kind of like carbon. Or most of them get, carbon um, something in those. most of them, they get dry rotted. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah. And that's after like, just like an engine belt or something. And, that's I, like and I've seen guys break their belts, but it's like, if you neglected your chain the same way, it would have broke. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, last thing I want to ask is, uh, what were your lap times and how did it feel out there? I have no idea my lap times. It felt really good. Um, so I only got two and a half sessions on it. The first session, it was still cold in the morning. I had, hadn't been on the track in a while, so everything was getting warmed up. Um, actually, the first, first, first session, my shifter fell off. Uh, Juan was in charge of that bolt. I know that for a fact that he was doing the shifter, but I went over to Tony. Juan. 
<laughs> get, went over get to it, Tony. He uh, he's like, oh, here's all my bolts. Luckily, it's a standard bolt, and Tony rides a Harley at the track. Luckily, so, that wasn't one of the metric ones. <laughs> yeah, right. So I found some five sixteenths bolts because that's what it was. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking put a big washer on this thing and some tape and I'm going to lock tight it and not tighten it all the way. Right. I'm digging through my toolbox and I find these gas tank mounts for my Sportster. And because I just put a new tank on, I just like threw the old ones in the, so they ended up fitting perfect. Wow. And then what was cool, they even touch in the middle so that I could tighten the bolt down all the way and oh, the shifter still yeah. moves. yeah. There you go. And they literally, so there's like little plastic bushings and then it's supposed to have a spacer. <laughs> could you imagine, yeah, could you, because cause what he's describing is if if you didn't leave it loose, if you pushed the shifter down, it would just stay. The ratchet, the pawl wouldn't do anything. It would be stuck. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you just like, burn up shift forks. Yeah, basically. And it, so it worked fucking perfect. Nice. It fit it just like the right one. It looked like there was a bracket that went there that totally fell off too or something. So like there was two holes that were there. There are two holes and I don't know why, unless that's to adjust the shifter. That could what be, I really want to do if is, I looked at the, I think I can put a long, a bell, I think there was a belly pan on those or not, like a, uh, like a guard for the, um, well, the mine's in the wrong hole. A guard for the exhaust would have gone under. I put the it in lower. the wrong hole. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, wiggins. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Mine's in the bottom hole. There's a top hole. What I really think I want to do with it is, um, I need to again get on the forums, either see what fits, or they might make one special. Yeah. Um, you can put a shifter directly on, get rid of the bullshit linkage, and just run it backwards. There you go. But then that makes it GP shift. Yeah, which would be fine. And honestly, uh, the goal bike to sell the duck is an RC51, and I might do the same thing with that. Nice. I like my old, you have these goals. My old, CBR, my old CBR was GP, and I, I was totally fine with it. My goal is to wake up on the right side of the dirt <laughs> every day, and I'm so my happy. My goal is to not go to sleep on the dirt. Yeah, well, that too. Or the willow. Or the willow. Yeah, but, that sounds like a lot but of fun. Yeah, so it, on the straightaways, it didn't seem to have the balls I thought it would. And honestly, when you're wrapped out in fourth and fifth because it's a five speed i forgot about that and i'm like i'm trying to count my gears yeah, right i'm like on. okay i got one more left down two into fourth and i'm like wait a minute this is a fucking five speed so i'm going down <laughs> to third but honestly the power band felt good the um the gearing felt good like not gearing for the track just the the space of the gears in the transmission felt good i don't know if it's different than my sporty or not I am pretty sure the 883 and 1200 Sporties are different from one another, so who knows with this. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Buell, judging by the rest of the bike, he's anal enough to make sure that, like, when you would shift from third to fourth and fourth to fifth, like, you would stay in the power band. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kind of like if you drive a Honda with VTEC and you shift it on a track, it stays in VTEC. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it didn't seem to on the front stretch and even the back stretch to really pull like I thought it would. Out of the out of the other corners it did. It felt really smooth, really good. It wasn't violent like um I rode Brady's Jigsaw later. Uh and the duck wasn't too violent either, but the power band actually felt better than the duck. Brady's Jigsaw violent? Uh it was just, just cuz it's a so four, like old. a screamer. Yeah, it was an 87 750 carbed. That's a little a bit year. of work on that's, it. If I remember correctly, that's a good year for those things. It's just the first year for him. Yeah, but it had come out of development from the previous Well, and uh, they did a GSX 750R R something too. They did a so for AMA you had to have whatever you ran that's when the RC30 came out. 
for you had to run for a factory bike the production stuff so honda and suzuki put tie valves in them yes i know everything now comes with that in 87 <laughs> they didn't so they had like tie valves and tie rods and shit in the rc30 yeah and they did a Jigsaw 750 that was the same yeah it did so much has changed since then as far as metallurgy and expenses yeah. that yeah. but no i mean like his was bike was just yeah like you that. wanted to rev it harder like i think the cams on that too were for some reason, I'm thinking of that year was a ripper, like a it was like a sleeper ripper that it might have been. Yeah, I can't remember. There's other bikes I know that they've slowed down after. Like the first production year was good. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, ah. like the CBX was that way. The 79 makes better power than the later ones. Yeah, I think some of the um, even though the 80 was the same. I think some of the they changed it. Yeah, for sure. And um, but it, the Jixers are the Jixers. And the, uh, the, isn't one of the R1s like that too, where they actually like slowed them down or something like, I don't know. Cause see around, it was later than that, but for the same kind of stuff, they made an R7, but it's super duper rare Yeah, because they, you were allowed a 754 cylinder. So Yamaha had the R6 and the R1 and they made a 750 I, that was like I a 750 and a 600 that. frame. Yeah. yeah. Was that in the mid two thousands or like early two thousands or something? Late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Hey, uh, oh yeah, sorry to cut you off. Oh no, it, I, I got smoked by a Tramp 675 down the straightaway and then I caught him in turn two and it was like every lap was like that. But then I think I got some debris in the fuel injector or something or maybe it just crapped out. So I'm going to run some. <laughs> that fuel fuel. <laughs> but again, it's a Ford fuel injector. There and the go. fuel injection, the fuel pump, we think is just a. You know what Ford stands for? <laughs> First on race day. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> fix a, I don't know, fix I don't know a repair. You were raised. Fix a repair daily is what <laughs> I was raised that it was first on race day. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I think I'll do a high pressure fuel pump. Find on Put some new dead. injectors on it. Um, unfortunately, I think I don't think I can put an inline filter because it's fuel injected and it's pressurized too much. I can't think of where you would. I can't. It's been, dude. It's been well, almost it's got a, a decade. line that runs up the frame and turns and yeah. plugs into fuel injection. I haven't so. literally seen that data since uh, for almost a decade. That's how yeah. long Buell's almost been out of business. So yeah. I, I haven't. It's it's hard for me to remember way back that far. But yeah, like I I would forget where you would be able to put one. But man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I really like that bike. You should check out Wiggins's. Uh, check out his um, social medias if you want to see. Yeah, pictures of it it's a little mad maxi a little but it, the funny part is it's only that subframe and tail yeah so i like it, it you know for it'll do for now i want to improve the tail a little bit but i also just want to ride it so that'll do pig all right well hey we're gonna take a quick break um and we'll be right back with some more creative writing or as i learned in the greek alphabet gamma row all right all right, everybody, some really quick updates for you going on here. I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who has participated in the Mimi and Moto um, fundraising efforts on Kickstarter. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we launched an episode uh, on Monday called Mimi and Moto, and it was uh, regarding Mimi and Moto, the Motorcycle Monkeys, and uh, the authors Mark and Nancy and their Kickstarter campaign to get book two off the ground. And I would like to say that as of this recording right now, they're only about $500 away from meeting that goal, and I know they're going to be a little bit closer uh, because I'm going to throw some personal scratch in there, 
And uh, I know they're going to make it. I'm very confident that they're going to make it by the end of this week. So a lot of a lot of us get paid Friday. So let's make it happen. Also, one more announcement. Spooky Spokes deadline. Obviously, if you're hearing this, you know that uh, you haven't heard any crazy, scary stories yet. I'm moving it back to November 2nd for those of you that need a little more time. All right. Well, enjoy this crappy music and let's get back to the show. Alright everybody, we are back Thanks for hanging out through the break And uh, remember uh, If you want to be a patron, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing For more information Now, Wiggins, I'd like to get into uh, On on one of my favorite shows Growing up as a kid It was it revolved around cars And they would always have uh, They would diagnose people's problems I think anybody that's uh, grown up uh, And listened to public radio On the Sunday, Saturday or Sunday Knows what show I'm talking about But uh, they had a great segment on there And I wanted to do one called Baffle the Bozos And a couple weeks ago we read uh, A message that was sent to us From a person who's having trouble With her Harley Davidson And we've actually got her on the line To see if we were right Wiggins this is we we had told her that we thought uh her problems result revolved around probably some crank bushings or I think you might have said cam bushings something some bushings but here on the show we have uh what was the original problem we should review that well what we talked about was that she had changed her oil and she found some brass colored uh metallic pudding <laughs> in her oil yeah, basically i changed the oil and it looked like candy paint yeah so so here you there's her voice everybody here she is uh on the phone with us you want to introduce yourself yeah i'm jay aka slay j666 on instagram yeah. hello everybody hey jay and i know that uh, you and i have been you know, we've had a lot of missives going back and forth trying to diagnose your problems and get pictures and this and that and rectify the situation. However, you just dropped a bomb on me because I didn't know the preceding uh, <laughs> issues that you had. <laughs> so for the sh- for everyone on the show uh, and and Wiggins too, um, fill us in. What, what was the very first problem? What's what's happening? And, and fill us in what your bike is too. What type? What what year and and what type of bike? Sure, sure. So I ride a 2016 uh, Harley Sportster, the 48, the XL1200X model. And I mean, if we're going to go real deep, I could go all the way back to the initial problems I had (laughs) from this never-ending headache of a motorcycle. All right. But um, as far as related to engine stuff, about a month and a half ago, um, I went down to... Uh, I rode my bike to work. Everything started fine. I replaced the OEM battery with an anti-gravity battery. So I was having issues with cranking. So after replacing that battery, it always starts up instantly. Um, The only issue is like, don't leave the lights on or you break it. I learned that from experience, but, um, <laughs> yeah, they don't, if they go totally dead, they don't like to take a recharge. Yeah, that's exact. No, the, I bricked one. I left it on for about two hours and it was just totally, it, it was fully depleted. Um, but anyways, so I, after my shift at work, I came outside and I went to turn on the bike and it kind of made like that sound, you know, where it's cranking, but it's like making that weird noise, like the battery is dead. 
but then the the odometer kind of started acting weird and um then it wouldn't start and it wouldn't turn over at all mm-hmm. and so then i got it towed and um i thought okay maybe maybe it's a battery issue so i popped in the uh, uh, an acid cell acid battery yeah just going that. going back to like the regular you know maybe that's sometimes i think that's a problem with some of my stuff too you know you never know maybe they yeah 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 they use those so, for a reason right yeah yeah so i checked the voltage on the 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 lithium battery and it was drained a, a little bit but not like um to the point where i had to throw it away so i put that on the lithium specific charger charged it back up um the bike wasn't starting with the acid it just was sound it was sounding like it didn't have enough juice so then i was like okay let me see let me pop the the lithium battery back in there because that had full charge the bike started up i was like oh great awesome i took it for a ride uh, i rode it around for about 20 minutes um i was like oh awesome uh the bike's good to go um so then the next day i'm like coming downstairs and totally dead hmm so I was just like, God damn it. Um, so then I called the dealer at this point and um, the bike came with an extended warranty that I got suckered into buying. It's a third party warranty. Right. And uh, the only dealership that would take it, by the way. So lesson learned, don't buy a third party warranty. <laughs> that is the lesson I learned. Yeah, um, they really, you got to read just like anything else. You got to read them all the way through and make sure every T is crossed and every eye is dotted because then when it comes down to it you're gonna have to be the one that does that stuff you know right well the way that it was written it doesn't it's really vague as far as who you can take it to it's basically mm. like you have to call to it doesn't it, the way that they wrote it it was just to kind of cover their asses but it was like it's my responsibility as the owner of the bike to find out who will take it hmm. so um but the thing that happened was the the place that sold it to me they sold me the warranty under the guise that any Harley dealer would take it. Right. So that was the issue because I was like, oh, man, five-year warranty, extended warranty. You know, if anything in the engine has an issue, I can take it to any Harley dealer. I was like, right on, I'll sign up. But that that turned out to not be reality. Right. And that's a bummer because uh, not all warranty companies are out to make a buck. And some of them actually will contract with the dealer uh to do that, you know what I'm saying? So that's sounds like you got one of the ones that was like, Hey, we got this thing, we know, you know, we know uh mm-hmm. who will take it. You gotta yeah. find out now. <laughs> yeah, no, so. pretty much anyone after this whole debacle, after I've talked to like different dealers and different people and mechanics and stuff, they're all like, You got like taken for. Yeah. Because and I had no idea at the time. I was I've had three previous Harleys and um, I always bought those ones from directly from a Harley dealer. Yeah. This is the first time I had bought one from a third party dealer. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So So that's why I was in that situation. Yeah. Okay. And what, um, what did they, what did the warrant, did the warranty cover anything? Did the, uh, well, yeah, the warranty covers like if they can, if the, if the mechanic can verify that it's like some sort of malfunction, not caused by aftermarket parts or something done by the motorcycle operator. Right. So, which um, they covered, like, my rear wheel bearing went out at about 13,000 miles, I think. And they covered that because it was just, I didn't, I haven't touched the the rear tire at all. Yeah. And um, it just exploded while I was riding. Yikes. 
Um, I think Liza from the Misfits gave you some shit about that too. If I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, about what your will, your <laughs> the the constant. <laughs> you uh, gave me shit about my entire motorcycle. Yeah, from from front to rear, right, uh, from tip Basically, to tail. Yeah, she she roasted me so hard. I was very well done that night. I was gonna make a joke to Wigs <laughs> that we should do a roast my bike this episode <laughs> and use your bike, but then I was like, no, because that's like it's like pouring salt in the wound. You're you're here to I tell us about say, it. You could probably base a whole entire episode on roasting my bike. <laughs> right, right. If anyone's seen my bike, it's very roastable yeah <laughs> so just fine the um they fixed one problem then correct i yeah, mean they so got they, that they said that it was like i was insisting that so what happened so i have to go back a little bit is prior to this issue my spring plate in the clutch failed at about i don't remember the how many miles in eleven thousand miles good god Factory. Is this aftermarket or factory spring plate? Uh, It was factory. Okay. Yeah, so that exploded. And so then I went and I I tried to do a lot of maintenance myself just because I'm I'm a wrencher. I love to, like, get in there and get my hands dirty as long as I feel comfortable doing it. I have a service manual. I'm pretty uh, adept at doing mechanical stuff. Um, So I went in there and I, I investigated. And basically that spring plate just really uh exploded in there were you trying to do wheelies or no 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 not at all um plus i know plenty i I know plenty of people that do wheelies without their spring plates exploding too so yeah like i i abuse this shit out of the clutch in my race bike and it's totally stock yeah 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 totally so i don't know i just i had this bike is cursed but anyways the yeah so those brass rivets basically did a, a, a number on the inside of my primary um it scored the hub and the basket um so what i did is i was like okay the it, there was some chatter marks on the hub and the basket and i was doing research on the forums and i saw a lot of guys that were saying like as long as there's not like really severe burrs or like you know sharp edges that are going to impede the plates inside the basket you yeah. can file it down yeah yeah that sounds well reasonable even um, if there are pretty deep grooves every dirt bike ever has pretty deep grooves in the clutch basket yeah that's true yeah <laughs> yeah and they're still fine yeah they they still work yeah. fine you just yeah, can't so, kickstart them in gear right 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 um so that's what i did is i just got in there i spent several hours just filing away getting everything nice and smooth and no sharp edges i popped in a barnett's kevlar uh clutch kit in there uh uh, got rid of that spring plate and then it, it was good it was good to go it was riding and it was not an issue hmm um so then, uh, you know, a few months later, just literally just a few months, that's when I started having issues with the stator. The, so what I'm thinking and from my research is a lot of guys have said that they have had their clutch fail with the spring plate. And then also a few months later, because of the rivets and all of the junk that gets thrown around, it kind of uh, gunks up the stator. Okay. So yeah, it's actually common for that failure to happen after the the spring plate failure yeah so that was kind of my thought process is i was like okay well it kind of makes makes logical sense i mean it shares the same oil in there 
Um, it's in the same space. So, and a lot of other people have had mechanics verify that the stator has failed directly from that debris. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure when you're replacing that stuff in the clutch that you clean it all out really, really yeah. good. But yeah. you're still going to have stuff in there before you even get to take it out. So, right. And you'll get debris in the magnets and the windings and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, right. And if it's small enough for like little pieces worked off then yeah who knows where they're gonna end up going you know yeah yeah and you know when i did the clutch replacement i didn't think to um inspect behind inside the stator so i didn't take off like the primary chain at that point yeah so yeah there could have potentially been crap in there that i didn't even see another plus side too that <clears throat> is good is the oil is separate on the new one still too right yeah so yep. <clears throat> you're not like all that debris that's metal isn't getting fed through your valve train right so that saved you a bunch of money <laughs> yeah well at that point at that point it didn't save me a bunch of money because i mean i had to replace i ended up having to replace the basket and the hub yeah, but so you didn't have to I, replace I the up, valves and springs and pistons and yeah no i rods. didn't have to do that but now <laughs> fast forward to where i am now that might be uh, the situation, oh, but um, so so yeah. Where was I? So then, yeah, so you had stator problems that may have been from that clutch basket grenading or the clutch right. uh, spring plate. Yeah, and so then um, after I got it back, they when the dealer fixed the stator and the voltage regulator, um, I got it home. They they said to me to. Um, they're like, yeah, you know, actually, you're going to want to replace your clutch because it, it's definitely when they, they said when they opened it up, they said that the oil smelled burnt. Hmm. So and I was like, what? Really? It's a I brand just, new clutch. Like, yeah, right. It's brand yeah, new. I, it was literally not even more than four or five months old. And I was like, that's crazy because that the, the oil is pretty fresh. I mean, there's new a new clutch plate kit in there. And he's like, yeah, you're going to want to replace that. And and I told him the situation with the basket and the hub being scored. And he's like, yeah, you're going to probably just want to, like, replace that whole thing. So I ended up upgrading the clutch basket and the the clutch hub. And I did that job. And then I got uh, fresh clutch plates and put that all of that stuff in there. Um, I don't weigh more than a buck 15. So getting that uh, compensate, the engine compensation. Sater nut off. Oh yeah, like, dude! Fucking hilarious. <laughs> I bet that was a riot. <laughs> well, and you also got a. Uh, are you talking about the bolt to come out, or just because it's the magnetic pull on it? No, no, that was easy. the The magnet was like easy. It was the 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 nut. Oh yeah. You the compensator it. nut is torqued at 250 pounds. Yeah, you got to impact doesn't it, them off. Doesn't that thread onto the? Does that thread onto the crank or something? What the hell does that? I yeah, figure? it's a. Yeah, I it believe... threads onto the end of the crank. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a bolt yeah. on that side that threads into yeah. the crank. But you just need a big, hefty impact. And um, Jay, from do, you my ex- a, do you have a big, hefty impact? I have a I have a Home Depot impact, and the what happened was is it a I wall like, plug or a battery? Uh, it was a wall plug. That might be enough. I did. Uh, well, I tried one with a battery, and it didn't do it. I had a heat gun on that bitch. I was heating it up. (laughs) I was like, uh, I had the air, the air gun, the pneumatic gun on there. Did you also have the switch to say R? Because isn't that one reverse thread? No, the reverse thread is on the um, primary drive. The the clutch side. On the clutch side, okay. 
Yeah, that one's reverse started. And that I one's only one torqued at 60 pounds. So that one was easy. I got that one off by myself. But um, the the compensator uh, nut, yeah, I had to have my girlfriend who's currently on crutches. She came downstairs into the garage, and I we had, like, a breaker bar. And she literally was, like, up on her crutches <laughs> and, like, jumping on the breaker bar. <laughs> we were both jumping on the breaker bar simultaneously. I, I'm, like, regretting that I didn't get it on camera. Right. You guys look like fucking hilarious. two monkeys swinging on a branch. And yeah, it's pretty just, like, much. not going anywhere, right? <laughs> That's rad. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. But after uh, some blood, sweat, and tears, and lots of curse words, about I don't know, like forty minutes later, we were able to finally like crack it loose. Yeah. Um, then it just so stripped. Then, <laughs> I know that would have been hilarious. My luck, man. My luck. But uh, so I then I pulled the primary chain off. I put on an upgraded clutch basket, nice hefty one, and a, a fresh hub. Got everything cleaned out, put fresh uh, clutch plates in there, fresh primary fluid, buttoned it all back up, and um, it was running like a beast. Hmm. It was fantastic. Like, it was running smoother than it's ever run. Hmm. Um, so, For how many hours? <laughs> um, Ash, how long do you think that was? Like a couple weeks? It was at least, I had it in there for about almost two weeks. And this, and, and none of these parts came from a place called JC Whitney, correct? No. Okay. No, I got it from, I got the, the club, the, the basket was an Evo, um, what is this? Evolution industries Mm -hmm. it was like the only upgraded clutch basket i could find Mm -hmm. that wasn't like a a replica replacement right okay okay um so it's the basket's really beautiful super hefty billet um and then the hub the hub was just like uh uh the hub is a different issue i don't even want to talk about the problem (laughs) i had with that one okay (laughs) but um So, yeah, so it was running great for, and I ride every day. Um, I ride about an average of two to three hours, depending on where I travel. My job requires me to travel around LA County. Mm-hmm. Um, and without so without giving like your address or anything, like whereabouts do you guys live in LA? Are you in the Valley? Are you in like the uh, beach? We're, we're in Long Beach. Okay. We're down in Long Beach. Okay. So I, I commute from Long Beach to downtown LA. Okay, that's a pretty then, good commute. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's about, it's like 25 miles one way. So I'm averaging on a short day for sure. I'm doing like 50 to 60 miles and on a longer day, I'll do upwards of a hundred. Yeah. You ever thought uh, about getting an electric motorcycle? Um, I don't know. They're so ugly. I'd have to get over <laughs> the aesthetic. <laughs> man, you and wigs. I had a guy. You guys had to get together. They're so ugly, An man. egg that one. battery pack is just... And the thing I don't like is like uh, the distance. Like well, having... Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're only go, if you're going 100 miles a day, yeah. you, you should be good. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, unless they put on some sort of speaker that like replicates the well, sound of an exhaust. Yeah. I don't like riding quiet silently. Yeah. That's like, I mean, I've been hit twice. I've been hit three times by have a you, car. Have you been hit on the bike that you're on now? Yeah, I did have a minor accident on that one. Okay. And is anything, what what happened with that? 
Um, that might so be that was a t-bone um the guy hit me at about maybe 35 miles per hour mm-hmm. i was pulling out uh, making a left turn and he um he didn't see we didn't see each other basically yeah and so he t-boned me on the battery side so on the left side uh-huh. and uh cracked my oil tank and it was like right at where the battery compartment is so uh, cracked my oil tank, and then basically the rest of it was like uh, cosmetic damage. Okay, and so they, he didn't he didn't tweak it just enough to like have anything with your clutch be misaligned to the. No, well, see, this is where my brain is just kind of like going crazy because I'm trying to go through everything and try to figure out what could have caused the current failure that I have. Well, what's your current <laughs> failure that you're having now? Well, your, your, cl- um, your clutch was. A success, right? And your yeah, stator so is all good. A success. The bike was running great, and then um, my girlfriend and I were planning. Uh, we were going to Babe's ride out, and um, so I wanted to like get the bike ready. So I was just going to go through and do all the maintenance on it, so that you know she she has she's on crutches right now. So we were going to ride two up. So I just wanted to make sure that the bike was squared away and good to go. So I went to change the oil and the engine oil, and as I pull the plug and it's draining into the pan. I like something is like glistening in the corner of my eye. And I'm like, what the hell well, is like right now? It's a, right now it's a tear, but that day it was uh, some golden oh, colored oh, shavings, yes. right? Many, many tears were cried over this. <laughs> I, this, I, I will not lie. I mean, my ego is not too big that I can't admit that I was, I did break down on this one. Cause it, I've had a lot of issues with this, bike but this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back with Mm -hmm. this issue but so i look over and it's like it like i said it looked like candy paint Mm. it was just the entire oil pan was shimmering it looked like um just golden bronze flakes throughout the end like a lot of fucking flakes yeah. like it looked like it was like a 50 50 ratio of like oil to flakes that's and, how heavily flaked it was and this is where you contacted me and i was trying to remember if the well the the flywheel is not like a regular um like a car or most other bikes that has like uh like crank journal bearings or anything like that um the flywheels on hds are kind of like a pressed one piece deal so there's the the rod ends don't really go around either like you know the rod big ends don't have bearings and uh stuff like that actually they're better the big ends of the rods actually have roller bearings yeah right and they and the crank has bushings, but I couldn't, I was trying to remember that too. The bunch, I, and I, I think I, uh, looked up you that. Sent me a, right. Yeah. 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 And I, and I was like saying like these, you know, bushings and stuff in here, maybe, um, those may be brass. Cause the, the pictures that you sent me were brassy colored or gold. Well, I, it was mixed though. It wasn't just brass. That's the thing that's like throwing me through a loop mm-hmm. is there's more, it seems to be that multiple things failed uh, because there's the brass and I don't know. I think it's something that was brass plated because I ran a really large um, magnet through the oil. And when I pulled the magnet out, the entire magnet was just covered with ferrous material. Right. And a lot of the brass flakes were stuck to it in there, intermixed. So I'm guessing that it's something was brass plated. Right. Or 
bronze. I don't know. And what a, the, a, yeah, a couple episodes ago, Wiggs and I talked about this, and his suggestion was to you know put the magnet through it. And then mine was like, yeah, you know, a lot of washers and stuff do have like a golden plating or a, you know a golden um, like a finish on them or whatever. And so it could have been that. And if that's what you're saying, and the magnet did pick it up, then yeah, it could have been. Uh, could have been a washer. Could have been. Uh, there's like a lot of little weird little washers and spacers in there that could be. And could, is this out of the clutch oil or the main oil? This is the main engine oil. Uh, the primary oil was fine. Yeah, I so in there too. Right, because the cam bushings is something that Wiggs mentioned, and I think I might have mentioned to you at first too until you told me where the oil came from. So, but the cam side is not. The cam side's in the engine oil. Yeah, the campsite is connected. So my theory is that either it's something, a bushing. I was doing some research, and there are some bronze-ish or plated bushings on the campsite. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking it's either a cam or I think uh, you had mentioned a a wrist pin. Uh, Uh, The wrist pins will be hardened. Well, the thing is, there were chunks of also aluminum. So I, I'm thinking maybe also a bearing failed. Uh, you're I don't gonna, know what bearings are made out of in there. Uh, not aluminum. Your only aluminum would really be your pistons and yeah. your cases. Yeah. I'm wondering if something was scraping the cases now, like something, or if you had done something on that clutch side and it pulled something super close to the, uh, well, if it pulled or pushed, I'm not even sure where I'm thinking that you would have, when you put something back together, how it would have shifted inside. But if you had any sort of play inside something like a, 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 you know, maybe you had like a, a bushing or something that had play and you, and it didn't, you didn't realize it. Cause I think I told you to try to yeah. shake your, uh, shake your compensator or something like that. Right. To see mm-hmm. if there was play in the end of it. So, yeah. The compensator, I went in there, I checked that the compensator side doesn't have play. Yeah. The, um, the, what do you, I don't know what the word for the, the other side, the clutch basket side. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of play, but when I was doing research, that seems to be normal, but yeah. I may be wrong. Yeah. But it's not a whole – it's not like really wobbling. It's just like a little bit and it doesn't seem to be – and that's what I was wondering because I was wondering, okay, well, when I torqued the things back on there, did I like over torque it? Yeah, Is pull it too far to that? one side and now it's it's uh, like carved itself a little groove inside. But you would hear piston slap. If it did – if it took off enough material, you would hear either piston slap. If the rod if the rod bearing went bad, you would hear like – rod you would hear like a knock but right yeah that's the thing is like after i did that up the clutch stuff and i buttoned it back up you know i did a test ride and then i like uh was listening just to make sure everything was good because you know that was a really big uh uh, maintenance thing that i did so i wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. and it was it was riding fine and there were not any noises that stood out to me Hmm. that i was like oh that doesn't sound right you know yeah well, and I, so I also cut open the oil filter to oh, yeah. see, and something blew through the fi- like the inside of the filter, like well, I guess one of the chunks of the uh, aluminum or something. Huh. So on the inter- so something blew through there too, and there's also the flakes are in there. Went in there like a field initiative's knife and just carved <laughs> carved itself. A, yeah, uh, it was like serious shrapnel. It was it was gnarly. Huh. So that I mean I, that obviously means that. The, this metal debris has filtered through 
the engine. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah. And it might have been, maybe it was one small part of one and it has gone through and it has done some damage and brought other stuff back down with it now. Yeah, that's what I think. Something went in there and fucked shit up. Yeah, so to speak. I just, I don't know what the cause is or, or... Yeah, you really have baffled the bozos. I'm at a loss until you <laughs> until you were to start now pulling stuff. If it went through the oil filter, then uh, start pulling stuff apart here and there. And really, the the hit, uh, I think that was probably if it was just cosmetic. Um, plenty of bikes go down. Plenty of bikes get dropped all the time, and it doesn't do anything. Oh, well, until it does. But I mean, there's usually right. lots of symptoms before that. So if yours was running fine and it just after, well, I, here here's another mystery. Uh And maybe you can see something. So I can't, I don't know. Okay. So after the T-bone accident and then, um, actually did the bearing go out? The bearing went out before that, right? Yeah. So the bearing went out before that I got it fixed. And then shortly after I had the T-bone accident, um, when the dealer like fixed the bearing and then after the accident i also took it back to that dealer so they could do an assessment uh-huh. after i fixed everything on the bike um because i did all of the repairs for uh-huh. for that accident uh-huh. i looked at the belt and i noticed that the belt was riding against the sprocket cover and i did a million and one tire alignments like would uh, aligned it over and over again. And I've shown this, I showed this to Emma at Recycle Garage. I've told multiple people and no one can tell me what they think it is. And I don't know why, like I even told the dealer. But the thing is, is I don't know if that alignment thing, uh, if it was rubbing, because it happened so close, the T-bone accident happened so close with the wheel bearing. I don't know if it was rubbing after the the wheel bearing replacement or after the T-bone. Yeah. What'd you do? And so I was talking... Huh? What do you do to align it? Um, I just followed the service manual. So I measured each side and then adjusted the adjuster. Um, so you measure like the how far the the axle is from the back of the swing arm? Yeah. So there's a little like um, there's this little like hole and I I fashioned a, a like an L-shaped tool um, so that it I met and I had an O-ring. And so I measured the distance of where that hole is from the center of the axle. And then I did that on the other side. And then I just did the adjustments to tighten or loosen so that it With became... With a chain, um, you can device. look down it. And if your wheel's crooked a little bit, you'll see the chain bow. Yeah. Um, with a belt, I don't know if it would work. Well, see, the thing is, is when you, and I've shown it to a lot of people, and I looked at a million sportsters because this is like so, such a weird thing. And every sportster I've looked at, the belt is clearly centered on the sprocket. Mine is way far to the right. Like, if I, I feel like if I took the sprocket cover off, I feel like the belt would fly off. Fly off, and yeah. You um, can barely put your hand in between the fender and the right side of the tire. But you got so hit on the left really, side, so it's Yeah, I got hit on the, the left side, so... No, it's that's not weird at all. It's like, when you got hit, it could have bent the whole swing arm over to the right. Well, that's, right. What, I'm, that's what I was going to say. Or the, the wheel. Swing arm got bent. So, what I look at, too, is the front where the tire is. Because that's your closest spot to your swing arm. Not that every swing arm is perfectly symmetrical either. But you can kind of eyeball there. Like if you have a finger with a room on each side or two fingers and you can get close there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also pick up the back of the bike and spin the wheel and adjust like 
take the bike or take the wheel and like point it left and point it right and until the belt tracks right. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to think of stuff too is like think of it in extreme. So if if the wheel was pointing really far left, the belt you would think would go like over towards the motor side or if it was pointing really mm-hmm. far to the right, you know, you can't think, well, if it's off a 16th of an inch, what way is it going to do? Um, but right. think of it like extreme. So maybe it's pointing to the right just a little bit. Try to tighten the left side adjuster. Um, yeah. and set the bike up and spin the wheel by hand and see if it brings the belt back over to center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried all of that. I seriously yeah. did those adjustments at least 10 times yeah. because it was bugging the shit out of me. And but the you, thing is, you said the, you think- the wheel's what? really close to the fender on the right side, though, right? Yeah. Another well, thing you can is, do. If it's out of alignment, don't you think that I would feel a wobble? Because when I take hmm. my hands off of the um, handlebars, it tracks perfectly straight. It's probably bent then. Yeah. Harleys aren't, at least, I don't know about a sport. The swing arm could be a lot bent of times and you've aligned the wheel straight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, there's I so saying, many things yeah. that could be into it. Like it, it could have bent the swing arm and pushed the whole swing arm over, but the wheel's still straight. Um, honestly, if you run an aftermarket exhaust, so Harleys are made to be balanced with a stock exhaust. So really, when you put an aftermarket exhaust on, they should pull to the left. At least mine did. Um, And I was literally told that was totally fine. And I get like I pulled 30 pounds off the right side of the bike. Mm -hmm. So it made it kind of want to pull left because now there's weight hanging off the left of the bike. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's one more way that I check my um, alignment. And it's the string method. Yep. And yeah, that's what Emma was telling me to do. That's I always do that, and it goes from the back to the front, and it'll show you if it's off because it, otherwise, these things that we're saying will look fine from, when you keep. And and I don't know how many times I've heard this said from racers and pro wrenches and stuff like that, like people that actually work on bikes, is that even though every single motorcycle usually has an adjustment and it usually even has little tick marks on it, those are you usually never trust the ticks. <laughs> those are usually not wrong or not right. And if you put right. it on like number seven on one side and number seven on the other, it's still off. So yeah, yeah. you can yeah. never trust those. Even so, if you've done it correctly and even spaced it out right, it may be aligned to your swing arm, but your swing arm may be off a little bit, or the spacer may be off. Like Chris was saying, if it's bent, or even if it's what what they call a diamond, because the way you got impacted, the you know measuring the sides may be parallel, but they may be out of. Uh, in in a diamond shape where one is they're they're the same length but one's further forward than the other just micro you know just like you can't see it and it probably wouldn't measure up unless you really got down to like millimeters but it might right. th- that would be off enough to get your wheel cocked to get your belt pointing toward the the pulley and your wheel lining up still straight and it's going to measure straight to the swing arm but not to the pulley at that point you know right. what I'm saying so yeah and, well, uh, and you know what also a uh, tie from lucky wheels garage um because i showed it to him too uh, and he said that also maybe the motor got shifted mm, that's that could be true yeah see that t-bone maybe what seemed like a small thing could actually be uh the predicate to all of these uh 
little things going wrong here right. and there, one side at a time as you fix one side, the other side. That's that's also another common thing. When you fix one side or when you fix one problem and it makes another one arise, yeah. that means, yeah, yeah. The, you're, you're basically, it's because there's a problem somewhere and you're fixing each little symptom until you right. finally have rebuilt the whole motor and then it works fine, you know, or something yeah. like that. So you really, you baffled this bozo. Well, what I'm thinking just is that like when he T-boned me, he hit me on the left, but then it landed really hard on the right. Uh-huh. Well, so I'm thinking it shifted. Then when it landed on the air filter, um, I'm thinking that probably shifted the motor to the left, which is why. Did, he, did he hit you with his front left? He hit me dead on with his oh. a bumper. But but like he hit you square right in the middle of both of his headlights, or did did one side of his car hit you? Like did his um, front? It was more on the left side. Right. So his front. It sounds like his front. You know, you were clearing, you cleared the back of you had cleared him and the yeah. just, so his front left hit your uh, battery area and that would definitely put some rearward forces on the bike, which could stretch, do with that diamond shape that I'm telling you where it, get, it right, hits right. your, hits the whole left side backwards, let's say a millimeter that you wouldn't even notice. And you, and if you're measuring in inches, you probably wouldn't see and maybe, and, and it's still going to line up, you know equal on both sides because the whole thing has shifted a little bit so you measure an inch on one side and an inch on the other oh they're still the same but if you measure mm-hmm. them across or if you measured it via an x they're gonna it's gonna be different you're gonna be like oh shit and it might even only be like i'm saying a millimeter or so right. but that millimeter times the length of the bike and then falling on the other side pushing it forward maybe you know what i'm saying like that yeah. will create a you know what will line up correctly like me and Wiggs were saying, it'll measure correctly, but it's going to be off um, over the dimensions of the bike. And then that exactly. might have done everything. It might have bent your swing arm just enough. Yep. It might have turned... Everything else is just failing off. Yeah, it might have turned the motor just enough and it might have put enough lateral force on your wheel bearings that, you know, they gave out or, you know, yeah. whatever, or it caused them to wear or being missile... Well, the, the, the wheel bearings happened before. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The really only logical solution is turn it into a hooligan race bike. Yeah. I'm going to have to say those are the 48s are are pretty cool looking and you might want to just keep it just because it's already paid for. And well, I'm still making payments on it. That's oh, the Oh shit. Well, it's not paid for. I'm making I'm in the hole, dude. I'm I'm in the hole. Yeah. I'm making payments for a bike that's not running basically. Yeah. You and Kevin Bacon in that uh, in Shawshank Redemption. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Kevin Bacon. It was uh, Tim Robbins. You and Tim Robbins, man, in the hole. Uh, well, yeah, until you get this thing all the way apart and we really know how much is coming, what, what, where all this aluminum and uh, awesome, because I'm thinking that Harley has those candy sparkle paint uh, colors right now. Maybe they painted the inside of your engine cases for you, and you is just now kind of wearing off. So that's another. That's yeah. my. I that's wonder my how final good answer. your warranty is. Like, <laughs> she said, it's crap. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not like uh, this is an operator. I can say that this is an operator error. Uh, uh, you know, if you've even uh, been wheeling the bike, this is like totally not. Uh, doesn't sound like. Yeah, you know this is this is weird. This is a weird thing, and it probably what seemed like a little thing, which was that T bone, might actually be the uh, 
the uh, camel that broke the straws back in this case. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're putting a lot of little straws in this bike. Left and, and, and uh, You want to hear something really funny, though, is I totaled the dude's truck. Uh, <laughs> I totaled his truck, but my bike didn't get totaled. Is it because when you got off the bike or when you got up, you went and flipped his truck over? Is that yeah, just like I just, rage? <laughs> I pulled the, uh, uh, the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk on him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, shit. no, because I, I, his, it crushed his radiator, and his, oh yeah, his truck wasn't worth the, the, the money to replace right. everything. Right. So that's, you know, that sounds like it was a pretty significant hit if it hit pushed his core support into his radiator and all that stuff. So yeah. So it doesn't sound like it was little, but uh, it, uh, it didn't sound like at first that it was that bad if it was cosmetic. But now I'm thinking that maybe, maybe that is where this all started. And there is yeah. a sure way to find out if the frame's bent. But Jump it off a cliff, and if it looks <laughs> if it looks straighter than when you landed, then oh yeah, now it looks bent. Yeah, look, there's this uh, is what it looks like when it's bent. I think it's in Anaheim. There's a guy yeah. by the name of Doctor John. Doctor John. Um, he's not cheap, but he's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there used to be one up here in Pasadena, but you're way closer to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a reason we know Doctor John's name because he's a famous blues musician. Because he knows how to straighten frames. Booyah. They didn't call him the frame doctor for nothing. Did they call him the frame doctor? I don't know. When you you say it's not cheap, how much are we talking? uh, I I don't know. I've never. The price of an SV650. Just go get that SV650. Just buy my Ducati instead. Because the the dealer that I'm talking to right now, um, because I've been in contact with them about this whole situation, um, he said that most likely it. He would recommend the, the entire engine be replaced. Mm-hmm. So, say I get best case scenario, I do get the engine replaced. Um, that would be the time to check the straightness of the. Yeah, frames. that's what I'm saying. Is like how much? How much? How much are we talking? To check, this? it's probably a couple hundred bucks. Maybe. But not how even. much? How much do you, for the fix? Uh, probably another three or four hundred bucks, depending okay. on how bad it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where when you straighten it, you're pretty much going to want to have the motor out of it. They don't always have to actually, but if you're going to have to be having the motor replaced, that's probably easy for them to do it then. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, you're theorizing that the sw- the swing arm got tweaked, right? Is that what you're saying? Something there did, or the because, whole frame yeah, got diamonded. There, yeah. Are there aftermarket swing arms? I could just pop that on there instead of like getting be, it fixed. You'd be better off to buy an OEM one. A stock replacement on eBay or a used one is uh, about fifty bucks, seventy five bucks. A swing arm? Yeah, a aftermarket one is like twenty two grand. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. yeah, and there's a great company called SoCal cycle dismantlers or something oh yeah yeah I know, I know that. yeah yeah, yeah they got a ton and, of stuff yeah they and they keep if they keep good stuff and and uh you know they'll check it and they usually do a good job of checking it and all that stuff to make sure it's, it's good so i mean yeah that might be an option so my follow-up question is say worst case scenario the the claim company the warranty company denies it hmm. uh, some people were suggesting get, picking up a motor off of ebay um, on a scale of one to ten, on shadiness, is that like is that worth the money? It can't be or shady. Like you need a bill of sale, huh? You need a clean bill of sale. Otherwise, it is shady. But the motors have numbers, and you you need something that says that those numbers are good. 
Okay. Yeah, because then when you go to register, you won't be yeah, able to. Because you need to. Right. Uh, you need to. That doesn't match up with the VIN. To do it right, you have to uh, get it inspected with that motor. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to do it is leave it outside in Long Beach. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're we're gonna cut this out of the podcast. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> idea. Bleep that part out because there's been uh, there's been a lot of um, bikes stolen in downtown LA where I work. I work a you know half a mile from Skid Row, so I mean, and you know, I say that like my Dyna is probably worth more stolen than it is to sell, but I don't have the heart to do that. <laughs> yeah, me either. I and used- that and bad karma, like I, exactly. I just can't do it. So, I've invested so much. But they'd bring it back. Time. <laughs> you're like, we don't even want this. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what me and my girlfriend are joking. They're like, oh, they're going to get the bike back to the shop and they're gonna be like, oh, shit, we're just going to put it back where we got it. Yeah, from. yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't know. And especially since you're still making payments, you you have to make those payments whether the bike exactly. totals or not, you know? Like, yeah. that's another thing. Well, like, if it totals, insurance is going to. Well, they'll pay you out, but. Then you're you don't have a bike and you've out money. <laughs> and yeah, not necessarily. They're going to pay you the value of the bike. So if you owe a grand and it's worth five grand, you're going to get four grand in your pocket. It's yeah. It's not worth more than the payments I'm making on it right now. Yeah. What year is it? It's a 2016. Uh, so it's probably worth six or seven hundred dollars. Fucking kids in their toothpicks. Oh, burn. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone's seen my bike, that's a funny joke. (laughs) You have to see the the bike to get that. It's like the Spamela of Sportsters. It really is like, it looks, uh, I, I felt like I was at home looking at that thing. Yeah. So, hey, well, it, when you do finally figure this out and no matter where you go, because I know we've talked about you going to Lucky Wheels or going, you know, if you've sorted out through the dealer or anything like that, let us know. Let us un- yeah. unbaffle the bozos. But, man, I'm I'm sad that we weren't. I also know a really good sports mechanic in Long Beach. <laughs> yeah, is that the sports their specialties guy? I don't think he's really a mechanic. I think he's just a parts place. Oh, okay. He also knows I, a guy. Know a lot of people have mentioned him. Sports we, or specialties. Uh, yeah, Wiggins if, also yeah, knows a guy with the on stuff. But. Wiggins also knows a guy with the Ducati for sale. By the way, if uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be your smartest move. <laughs> but, well, hey, uh, two, two questions for you uh, before we wrap. Um, yes, the Ducati's one, sexy. Yes, it has a single sided <laughs> swing. I, I can answer that one. I already know that. Yes, it's fast. Uh, <laughs> and yes, um, how- your girlfriend is shaking her head. Yes, and back- yes, the price is right. <laughs> Yes, I'll take it. Just don't tell her. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't. I'm not telling anyone uh, except the guy with the RC51. I'm buying. I'm telling him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so hey, have you ever done the Blackstone um, oil analysis? Is it worth it? Uh, I've never done it, and I but I've know people who have done it, and they really do break it down. And I know that it's I forget it, it's a little bit pricey, right? Is, is it an over a hundred bucks to do that? Uh, on the website, it was like saying it was like fifty. Oh, okay, maybe uh, maybe I was thinking of somebody who did it for two different bikes, then. but um, yeah. they break it down and they give they give you back. I mean, what are they going to say though that you don't already know that you have metal shavings? They're not right. going to be able to that's, tell that's you. That's why I was like. Trying yeah. to figure out if it's even worth it. They're going to tell you you have metal in your uh, oil. And you know what? This is the funny thing is that a lot of bikes do anyway just because uh, minuscule amounts, but friction right. and wear and, and some stuff, um, you know, like I would just – I learned the other day that you, le- you lose 
uh, metal from coolant. You know, you could lose up to a certain amount of pounds per year of your motorcycle <laughs> because coolant is uh, slowly takes um, aluminum away piece, a little oh, wow. little molecule by molecule, but it adds up to pounds over you know the oh, course wow. of a few years. So you know, stuff does rub together in an engine, yeah. and so every bike, even if it's well oiled and maintained, and even though it might not look like yours did, where obviously there was a problem, there's still probably going to be. You know, you might not even notice it, but over the course of, you know, the years that you own it, uh, the tiniest amounts of um, metals in there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't don't think it'd be worth it because you already know there's a problem. They're not going to be able to help you fix or diagnose it. They'll just say, oh yeah, you've got some brass colored... uh, shavings and you'd be like no shit thanks yeah (laughs) so yeah i would first thing i would do is um tear that top end apart and see if there's anything up there that looks panic inducing i'd leave the top end and check out the cam cover first well yeah there you go check the cams first that's the first thing thing is like i i was i've been going back and forth like whether or not i want to investigate myself or just have the dealer deal with it um what if, what if this what if you opened up the cam cover and then there you saw one of your rings and you're like holy shit my pinky ring fell off and got ground up in the cams yeah, and my, that's what my it was pin, my pinned hand yeah missing a few of those, yeah. those uh, rings you you wear so many you didn't realize one was missing and that's yeah. what got ground up like a meat grinder well, i mean that's all the bling you know rocking rock all that bling <laughs> right back of it <laughs> right so yeah let us know what you do find out when you yeah uh, yeah I'll you eventually get around to it sure I mean, I've I've been telling everyone the story of this bike, trying to get like anyone's perspective because yeah. it's everyone I've told it's just like been baffling. Without cracking it open, everyone's like it's kind of hard to. That's what you got to do. And I yeah. would, yeah, I would do what Wig said: is start at the start there first before, yeah, before you start messing with the top end because that's yeah. a, that's the easy. And I mean, I'll let you guys know it because if they deny the claim, I'm bringing you guys to Lucky Wheels with me <laughs> to help fucking fix this thing. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I've always wondered because what it I'm looked... going to need as many hands on deck because that's going to be all hands on deck. Situation. Right. And I'm going to bring a box of Kleenex because I know it's going <laughs> to happen when you see the total devastation. You're going to be like, fuck, <laughs> man, fuck. So, yeah. all right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Jay. You really, you. it sounds like you've baffled every bozo in town. And until <laughs> we get this thing apart and you look in there with your, uh, you know, do a more full inspection it doesn't sound like you're gonna fully solve this mystery so thanks for hanging out with us and uh blowing our minds and telling us a good story yeah no problem Uh, i guess i uh, it was my pleasure despite my pain (laughs) i guess (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah tell ashley um maybe she should help you pick out your next bike it sounds like you did uh, i mean if you had three other Harleys, you know. One yeah, other. I think you know what. To be honest, I think uh, these the Indians that are coming out. They've been looking really nice. Wigs, I'm cutting her off right here, bud. Wigs is starting to get well, frost. That's, that's the end of my help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, wait, is he happy or is he mad? Wigs, Wigs hates uh, Indian. Oh, really? The, so the FTR, he's not a fan of that. Wiggins, chill out, bro. Uh, chill out. <laughs> no, I'm a fan of that. I don't think it's. I don't think uh, – I think they missed the mark a little bit, but not too bad. Well, my whole issue right now basically is reliability. Like if someone can steer me into the direction of a bike that I can feel comfortable riding. Oh, I, I have viable. one for you. The uh, Honda Super Cub. Yeah. If you, want, <laughs> if you want reliability, that thing will never break down. 
Don't oh, look man. at don't look don't at know. Harley. Don't look at Indian. Don't look at yeah. Suzuki. <laughs> don't look at Yamaha. Don't look at Kawasaki. <laughs> you go buy a Honda. Yep. There you okay. go. Uh, you know, a couple of people have told me that CTX seven hundred. You'll never. Uh, you you won't regret it. Yeah. Okay. The, XR650. There you go. XR650. <laughs> or an XR50. <laughs> or an XR50. You won't be able to go on the highway, but... All right. En- enough pulling your leg. We'll uh, we'll let All you guys right. go. But I've heard Ducati Monsters are super <laughs> exceptional. Hey, it is... Yeah, it, it is I it. heard that they... you. They take out your liver when you need to replace anything uh, on it, that's though. That's true. Uh, my <laughs> old listen, enough. I don't listen, know. Listen, what? How much have you spent, though? What could? What more? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been. What's that saying? A death by a, mil- a thousand cuts. Yeah. At least <laughs> with that, you would you would know. Life. You would just bankruptcy be replacing one part. Th- it's been bankruptcy by a thousand failures. <laughs> <laughs> one penny at a time. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna cut you guys loose. Let us know when you okay. find out what happens, and that Ducati Monster is an air cooled V twin. All right. That's All right, uh, sure. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Bye. Oh uh, well, Wigs, uh, you've wasted a completely good uh, hour and twenty minutes. I know you gotta. We gotta get you out of here because you're wrecked, man. I'm exhausted still from last week. Yeah. It was. It's hard. You know. Just I didn't even work. On a motorcycle, but just work and then all the uh, extracurricular stuff with the kids. Yeah. I felt the same way. And I was like, man, I, I knew what you were going through. And I was like, I, I barely had time for myself. I really blew my wad at AIM. It was a bad week to go to AIM and a bad – because with with work, let's just put it that way. And then the, the friggin' hurricane that we had blow through here the Monday following name, yeah, put the right. power out. So that was a little bit hard to work because I telecommute. And so, um, yeah, that was an, a three days gone <laughs> from work. And, uh, you know, so it was hard enough. And so then when you said you had the bike going, I was like, I know how that feels to get that final push. And just yeah, we just, it. I was trying to get the goal of getting it on the track Sunday and, uh, yeah, it got there a little bit, but Hey, one, um, one last question I have about that track. We covered the we covered the Buell part of it, and we covered the bike and all that. I want to know how was the spooktacular fun fest that supposedly went on there. <laughs> Actually, so when they did the costume session, I left and went to AutoZone and bought some uh, Octane Boost and fuel cleaner, hoping that or fuel injection <laughs> cleaner, hoping that would uh, help my problem, but it didn't. You didn't go as Grizzly Adams, then, but um, like we had planned. It was cool, and I, I should say too. Uh, you know, we've had them on the show, but Brady Walker's track days are the best unless you're on a four-cylinder race bike. Then they're not the best, but they're still really good. Um, it's just, you know, you know the people there. Um, he's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's a little more relaxed than most track days, um, but still in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's fun. I, I recommend, especially I would say, especially if it's your first track day or if you have a less conventional track bike, like if Turdman ever buys his VFR back here. Um, <laughs> what about Spamla, man? Um, screw that. She VFR. could be all right on a little track, I guess, but no way, dude. Big little bikes have gone on the big track before. Yeah. My friend races are 125 out there. It's probably faster than your 250. The 125? Oh, it's faster than a lot of 500s, I think. Um, but yeah, his his track days are awesome. Um, you know, he also runs the Corsa. I met him yeah. 
I met him. That's where I first met him. Was there, and even that had the laid back. Was that they last had, year, or then uh, a couple of years okay. before. I thought you were kind of talking about this year, and I'm like, we interviewed him on the show before that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> or that yeah, was yeah. the California. That was the California. The Corsa, yeah. But but that was before the Corsa, and uh, he took that over. And even those are fun. They play crappy movies. I mean, it, it's always a fun time out at his things. Whether I mean, that's a that's an Arma race, so it's not as crazy as his like ramming speed uh yeah. track days but the ramming speed stuff uh looks awesome and when they do fun stuff like the moto soccer that they did sometime last year and then this spook oh, they had a couple parties yeah in between it and, looks like yeah, a, it was super a lot fun. of fun i i'm down to go to the next one i, sh- I would have gone to this one but uh december 9th yeah a lot of busy stuff coming up and speaking of which i know you're gonna get out of here but i'm gonna do some current events and one of them includes a socal hooligans uh, uh SoCal november, hooligans no- race. november 3rd at uh, paris uh, speedway flat track that's what i said what oh no i said at the speedway yeah I, the I meant, speedway is not the you'll confuse people yeah yeah at paris raceway sure raceway at the speedway on burton road <laughs> yes that's the raceway uh yeah so and and speaking of which also i think in november the um 2019 schedule for aft came out and they're going to be at paris the tentative r- schedule but yes speedway. they will be at paris auto speedway yeah auto speedway and um they're doing a tt in arizona this year instead of the mile i'm super stoked this next season looks pretty pretty rad uh but yeah we're, we're gonna get to current events i'm gonna let wigs get out of here because it is uh i don't even know what time it is but i'm sure it's late yeah it's 10 o'clock that we were trying not to stay till <laughs> all right well that's that thanks patrons <laughs> and thanks jay jay's uh, story really did baffle us and if so. anyone has any good ideas out there something to check um Again, my idea was like cam bushings because she said a lot of brass. This was the first time I heard there was a lot of aluminum also. Um, so, I mean, it could be something scraping the cases. Yeah. If it's still running. Dude. Like, if it's piston, it's not going to be running very long or no. very good. No, and when she said piston, I was like, no, I don't think it's piston. I think it's something down in that bottom end that got over torqued But I would think something, or- yeah, I mean, she could have stripped something out. Um, I would think something clutch like dragging in the primary cover but that is different oil yeah and that's what i was thinking too like there's so many different things i thought of and then i thought of over tightening uh the nut on the compensator nut or anything would pull the the bushing too tight inside where it would wear down or something you know there's so many different things yeah um before you go real quick i I have an email here we'll put some little music in here for mail all right, there it was. That was the music. <laughs> uh, I got one email. I don't know if you've got any Ask Wigs, but we got one We got one Spooky Spoke submission so far, which is another thing I want to mention. Uh, we're going to push the deadline for that back because a lot of people have had foul weather and not enough time to get these in. Um, but we got an email this week that I've been saving for a couple weeks since Wigs wasn't here, and it comes from My Motorbike Obsessions, uh, Matt, uh, contributor to the show. He says, episode 146, pretty damn good. That was your uh, Mother Cloblin flat track hour that you uh you hosted there with uh, us yeah. the flat track wrap up and he says junk i'm listening right now to episode 146 and i love it there's lots of great inside baseball info from hooligan jesus on the greater world of flat track keep it up 
I'm also, you're going to like this part, I'm also offering up my CRF450 for you guys to try. Uh, that is, once I rebuild the water pump, I can still ride the bike, but I'm out of cash for the moment. And after I get it back in commission, I'll bring it out to Milestone and give you guys a go on it if you want. Also, I got some sweet supermoto tires and wheels for the bike and would be willing to bring it to Adams or Apex and let you guys have a go on the cart track. So much fun ripping it around, especially with the big sticky slicks. Uh, it'll have later, Matt. So, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and take you up on that uh, offer. You might be <laughs> bummed to watch me go around Apex on it <laughs> if I get comfortable on it. I'll be he'll, he'll be bummed to watch me go around Apex on it because then he'll watch me cartwheel into the tumbleweeds and uh, there's a big sweeper on the um, the parking lot side of Apex, and I slid around like so. It's like it's actually like two corners with a really short straight in the middle of it. And I slid all the way around that thing with my knee down. Rad. But do you, do you do that thing where you put your foot down next to the front axle and like have the bike lay on you as you're like, no, I thing? rode it like a sport bike. I oh, rode yeah, my yeah. supermoto like a sport okay. bike. Cause that's what I wanted to do. And I was just better at it anyway. Yeah. But so like the big sweepers like that, I would just kill dudes, but then the real tight sections I couldn't. So I was trying to do more foot out, but yeah, that was like my jam. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. I've never been to Apex. I was I like d- totally on there. the throttle sliding and then off the throttle on the brake, like knee down, like still sliding. And like not Nikki Hayden sliding, but yeah. still like I felt the bike sliding around and like slid it in and turned it for the next corner. Nice. It was, uh, but it was like, it was during a race. Like if you try to practice it, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it's like. You're not, you're not in the same uh, mindset or fucking you know, go, yeah, go, I just go. wasn't thinking about it, yeah, so it yeah. just happened. You know. Uh, also, milestone that'd be rad. And anywhere I go, I have to say a disclaimer: I always bring one hundred and fifty dollars with me, uh, a minimum, because I know I don't like to. If I break somebody's stuff, I'm paying for it, and hopefully, it's just a lever or handlebars. But I would totally, uh, you know, I'm not usually. I don't usually rip other people's stuff just because yeah, for I don't sure. want to cartwheel. <laughs> but I would take it for a go around milestone or hell, even Apex. I need to spend some time on a 450 because I like, I'm not that quick on them, but I, I think if I spent some seat time on it, oh, I'd yeah. get good. Just like anything else. Practice I can ride the hooligan bike pretty good, and they're a pile of junk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a pile of junk, and uh, we're going to take a quick break while Wiggs escapes the building before I before I say, hey, and one more thing, and then it's like 12 o'clock. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty good at that. So Wiggs, yep. any uh, cool sign-offs before I get into the next segment? I think that's it. All right. I like that sign-off. That's good. I'm going to leave that in there. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Wiggs, you get out of here.
everybody, we are back. And now it's just you and I, everybody. How you doing? I uh, had a crazy week as well, and I don't think we need to keep keep talking about that. But um, I just wanted to say thanks for Jay for uh, giving us her story and, and hanging out for the night with us. Mm-hmm. And man, uh, I don't know. It sounds like not all Harleys are bad if that's all she's owned before and never had a problem. So if you have any ideas, like Wiggs said, give us a, give us a shout out and uh, let us know what you think. It's uh, 1 o'clock in the morning here, sunny, traffic's light with a breeze coming out of the southwest. No, just, <laughs> I'm uh, going to go through some current events right now, get out of my radio radio voice, and uh, talk about some stuff that's going on right now at our good friends Lucky Wheels. You've heard their name pop up a few times tonight, but uh, I think they're hiring still. They're looking for a barista to work at Lucky Wheels Coffee 20 to 25 hours a week. Send your resume to coffee at luckywheelsgarage.com or want you uh, show up at Lucky Wheels Garage because if you're going to be working there anyway, you're close enough to do that, aren't you? Go down there and make them a hot latte and let them judge on your uh, personal skills right there in person. Um, so that's coming up pretty pretty soon. I think I'm not 100% sure if they're still hiring, but if you're a barista looking to work at a cool coffee shop right adjacent to a cool DIY motorcycle garage, that's your place, Lucky Wheels Coffee. All right. One night of thrill, spills, bumps, and jumps. The uh, Stampede Scrambles happening at Industry Expo Center December 29th, 2018. The gates open at 3 a.m. Racing starts at... Did I say 3 a.m.? Gates open at 3 p.m. Racing starts at 4 p.m. There's vintage, tank shifters, ladies class, hooligans class, pull star, and more. Hopefully, there's a smalligans, which is what uh, I consider spamala, and a ladies class, because I can always throw a wig on and just go in there and uh, get my butt kicked by a lady. Um, Also, Surf City Blitz. Everybody's been talking about this. Um, I've been hearing it pumped as a uh, music event from our local radio station here, local rock, classic rock station. And uh, I was like, what? That kind of sounds like the same date as the uh, last round of the Rolling Sands Hooligan uh, national super hooligan national championship and sure as shit uh surf city blitz is what they're calling the uh the happenings down there i thought it was going to be the moto beach classic but um surf city blitz seems to be what they're calling it uh, and it's in conjunction with the moto beach classic which is the racing portion of it so surf city blitz is going to be uh saturday october 27th and sunday october 28th <clears throat> Saturday is going to be the offspring, Pennywise, Suicidal Tendencies, uh, TSOL, Fear, a bunch of other 80s punk bands. God, I listened to some of these uh, when I was only, I think I was 112 when I heard some of these bands. Um, let me see, who else? The Voodoo Glow Skulls, uh, Snuff. I could barely read. the. Uh, this uh, is a tiny, tiny little uh, flyer that I'm looking at on a tiny phone. And... Um, on Sunday, it's going to be Social Distortion, Rancid, Bad Religion, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, The Interrupters, The Rex. Uh, what, do, what do you know? Creative Writing is going to sing Cigarette in there? Oh, my God. Uh, and then the Moto Beach Classic is going to be there. Two days of racing, custom bikes, art, uh, drag racing uh, on the beach, sort of like they did at the Bradford Beach Brawl, and more. And so check it out. And, of course, there's going to be like there's probably going to be, I think they did a surfing contest at the one last year. Yep, it says right here, surfing and jams. So check it out. That is a Surf City Blitz, uh, Saturday, October 27th, and Sunday, October 28th, which is 
this weekend. Uh, also, November 3rd, Ride the Wind is a, a wind of change to stop domestic violence and sexual assault. It's going to be happening. Uh, it's put on by the Center for Health and Well-Being, Russ Brown Motorcycles, Indian Motorcycle of San Diego, San Diego BMW Motorcycles, and a few other people. Uh, I saw this on Torque Moto Cafe. And uh, so it says North Park Bikes, South Park Dog Products, Senna coffee and tea collective um all these other people are getting behind this a whole bunch of people um there in uh in san diego are going to be getting behind this and so if you're interested in uh, more information go to torque moto on um on instagram it's t-o-r-q-u-e underscore moto underscore cafe and uh november 3rd ride the wind i don't know if they're meeting up there i'm not 100 sure where they're meeting up but if you want to register uh or donate go to ride the wind.us for more information and sounds like it's going to be a good a good deal uh november 3rd though also happens to be the same day that hooligan jesus and i were talking about november 3rd at uh paris raceway racing starts at 5 p.m classes for everyone it is the hooligan national shootout now is it the national shootout or the local shootout we'll never know it's the regional shootout for all i know but anyway yeah if you've got any cool events that are coming up um let us know the fright lightning camp out actually is uh coming up too and that's put on by lucky wheels they're going to be closed this weekend because that is happening this weekend tickets are sold out and that's always a good time um so lucky wheels fright lightning probably a lot of stuff is happening on the east coast but uh from what i've heard it's all rain and and uh thunderstorms there right now so i don't know you guys kind of already should start winterizing your bikes back there it's it was hot here today it was like 80 degrees here uh mild wind coming out of the northeast um temp the barometer rising at uh 30 (laughs) percent the dew point coming in at the no (laughs) i'm just being a dick and bragging now but it's been really nice weather so we're gonna get out and do some rides here um i'd like to say spooky spokes my friends spooky spooks i'm gonna extend the deadline no, November 2nd is going to be the new deadline. It was going to be uh, when you're hearing this right now. Uh, normally, we would have been playing scary stories this whole episode. However, uh, I guess I should change the flyers that I made too, huh? Um, I've decided I've only got one submission right now, and it's uh, somebody that submits every year to the show, and I thank them so much. <laughs> I'd like to say Lance Pear, son of Corax. I know you wanted to get me one out last year, and you did not. So if you're hearing this now, buddy, now is your chance. Wrap one out for us, would you? And uh, give us the one that you were going to give us last year. You got a week now to prepare. And uh, that shouldn't be too too long, right? And um, God, the one that you sent in before was so scary, I used it in the ad for the Spooks Books 3. But I got a lot riding on this, um, this uh, year. I'm going to... I've decided that I'm going to make a little uh, reusable bag for people to carry and I'm going to paint that little zombie that I did, that little stupid zombie drawing that I did. I'm going to recreate that on the bag for the winner and uh, I don't know, maybe I'll make one for uh, the patrons as well because the patrons are the backbone of the show. The patrons actually pay for the show now and uh, so... I wouldn't, I can literally say this is brought to you with Patreon support. And, um, 
so I might make one for the patrons um, as well. And so I'm, I guess I should get on that right now. I should just stop recording and start making uh, the little handbags. I'm going to paint these things on there and I've never done it before. So I don't know how hard that's going to be. I got about four bags ready right now that are, have, you know, stuff written on them that I'm just going to use as a practice before I start trying to do the one that I'm going to give away. So we'll see how that goes. Also, Mimi and Moto, man, the deadline for that is tomorrow. And I would like to thank Mark. Um, and unfortunately, his, his uh, wife Nancy could not be with us. But Mimi and Moto, I'd also like to thank the patrons uh, for their support. I used some Patreon money to match some of the personal money that I put in. And uh, I really want to see that dream come, uh, you know, come to market. And, and I really want to see them. They're going to get it out no matter what it takes. So I just would like to see it happen sooner than later. So yeah, I really am pushing for Mimi and Moto. Uh, Hopefully we'll see tomorrow. We'll see how we did. And um, we only had a week and this is not a major, major podcast. So hopefully we had enough support um, from you guys. And I thank you so much again for your support of this show and the people that uh, we've come to know along the way that are doing great things for the motorcycle community. And with that, uh, I think it's going to be a wrap up. I was going to do some depressing news like Harley's... uh, quarterly report and um, some other motorcycle companies closing but uh, I think I'm just going to cut it short here start editing the show and getting ready for this week Uh, got a lot of stuff coming up uh, personally and a lot of stuff at work still got to still keep going full steam ahead so um, yeah there's a lot of stuff happening behind the show uh, behind the scenes of the show and um, trying to get ready for 2019 already I know it's going to be here before we know it so you're going to winterize your bike soon a lot of you guys and gals out there right now and uh the next time you pull them out it's going to be 2019 so i may just be doing all this blabbing to keep you alive and remembering that you still have two wheels in the garage waiting for you um you know so we'll try to do some fun stuff over the winter break for you guys and we do have a new challenge coming up wiggins and i had already talked about it and we were gonna do the first installment tonight but he's had a hell of a week after aim and work this week and and uh you know Bri Viffer was luckily available to to sit in with me last week um it's been a whirlwind I, I almost feel like I just talked to Bri Viffer yesterday like this whole week flew by so fast so our new challenge will probably start next week it's gonna be a good one uh Wiggins doesn't know it yet but I've got some really good uh Kind of based on our last challenge, the judges that we used were flaky and iffy and and four weeks behind. I mean, we only had a five-motor challenge, and uh, they were about four weeks behind. So we got input from Liza consistently, but we had four other judges, and uh, we were hoping it would come down to to them to decide. But uh, since we can't rely on anybody, we were hoping we could uh, rely on them to decide But since we really can't rely on anybody, I figured out a better way to do this. And I'm going to go over it with uh, Wiggins next week live on air. So uh, I don't want to ruin it here uh, in case he's listening right now. But um, yeah, the rules are going to be pretty funny and pretty fun and good for you guys to listen to. Plus, hopefully you learn something about uh, the topic of the challenge, which I I also won't reveal until next week. So with that, uh, I'm going to bid you a good night. And, oh my God, this hasn't been recording the whole time. Is that your sign-off? That's your sign-off.